0: You're in the Waterloop. Waterloop, Waterloop, Waterloop. Waterloop is a nonprofit media outlet made possible in part by a grant from Springpoint Partners. Visit waterloop.org for all of our content. This is episode number 139. Local is the leading location. Tremendous attention is paid to decisions, dollars, and officials at the federal and state levels. But local government is arguably the key cog in water management. Local leaders and staff are the ones ultimately spending funds, setting policy, and implementing activities that directly impact water resources and people's daily lives. That's why it is vital to listen to and assist those at the local level. As explained in this episode with Cynthia Kohler, Executive Director of the Water Now Alliance. She talks about top challenges and current trends for local government in the areas of finance, equity and affordability, and adoption of innovation, as well as how water utilities are becoming anchor institutions in the community. You're in the Waterloo. Welcome to Waterloop. This is Travis, joined for this episode by someone I have needed to talk to for a very long time, and we are finally here, Cynthia Kohler, who is Executive Director of the Water Now Alliance. Cynthia, thanks for coming on the podcast.
1: Of course. Thank you for having me. Very exciting.
0: Yeah. So you all at the Water Now Alliance focus so much on the local level. Uh, I think there's a lot of attention when it comes to water on the big players at the federal level, EPA and members of Congress and even governors at the state level and what's the DEQ doing and and all that. But um, you all make the point, and I think rightfully so, that local leaders are really key to water management. Why is that?
1: Absolutely. Thank you, Travis. I am so glad to be here and I'm so glad you started with that question. Um, And you really put it exactly right. Local leaders are key when it comes to water for a very simple reason. They are responsible for 95% or even more of spending on all water infrastructure nationwide, drinking water, wastewater, stormwater. So uh, certainly federal and state investments are critical or important, but at the end of the day, it really is coming down to what are those local rate payers paying, right? And those decision makers are the ones putting their hands in the air and voting for those policies and for those rate increases um, to to put that infrastructure in place and to ensure that it's viable over the long term. So in a very real sense, these are the folks who are really at the end of the day saying, where are we going to put our money? And what are those choices going to be? And, um, and, uh, you know, and they are the ones responsible for that water future. And I know that's confusing because there's been a lot of conversation about this federal money, which is fantastic. Mm. The vast majority of that is in the form of loans. There are some grant programs, but at the end of the day, state revolving fund um, uh, funds are for the most part loans, right? So that all has to get built into the rate base.
0: And when I, when I throw out the term local level, local leaders, maybe we should clarify, who, who are we talking about when we, when we paint that broad brush?
1: And that's a great question, right? Because it does vary. Sometimes it's special districts. I serve on the board of my own water utility in California, and I'm elected to that board. But sometimes it's city councils, right? Because your water services are provided by your public works department. Sometimes it's an appointed commission, like um, you know, a public utilities commission. So you have special districts, you have commissions, you have cities, you have counties. So water leaders are everybody who is making decisions about water infrastructure, whether it's wastewater, whether it's stormwater, whether it's drinking water. It's By the way, it's not just the politicals, right? That decision-making is a collaborative effort you know, very rarely do you have a board that just says, we're just making all the decisions. Your executive leadership is enormously important. Your general managers, your CFOs, um, you know, everybody at the top. But also we think water leaders happen, and we'll talk more about this, I'm sure, at all, lo- at all levels within a utility, right? We have an emerging um, leader award here at WaterNow just to recognize people who are coming up through utilities who are going to be tomorrow's leaders. So it really is that whole utility ecosystem that we're talking about.
0: Mm. So I'm really curious, you work with these local leaders so much from all across the country. Um, you've engaged with them and hear from them. What are they looking for help with when it comes to water? What are what are kind of their biggest challenges? What are their biggest needs?
1: Sure, that's a great question and um, and they're significant. So let's just start with three major things. Financing, to be sure, we all know that water infrastructure is expensive, um, it's becoming more expensive, and so um, financing both for capital projects, but then for that all-important and incredibly unsexy ongoing O&M, <laughs> um, those are major challenges that um, virtually everybody that we engage with, whether it's a large utility, whether it's a small utility, um, you know, whether it's a suburban public works department, everybody's looking for, how do we ensure that we have the funds we need? to, um, you know, to secure our water future for our, you know, for our um, residents, our businesses, our institutions, and our, you know, and our organizations. And I would say second, more and more, we are seeing utility leaders looking for help in addressing equity and affordability issues. I'd say there is widespread consensus across the water utility space um, that um, affordability is critical, and that um, we need to address um, long-standing historic equity issues um, and ensure that people who are most in need of these water services have them and have them in an affordable way. And um, it's it's heartening, I mean, these are, these are challenging issues, but it's heartening to see this shift in the water space. And I think there's really a lot of openness now and a lot of interest in looking for help in addressing these issues. I mean, interestingly, especially since COVID, and um, you know, certain and you know, the upheaval we've seen in the nation over the last couple of years, um, I'm really seeing a move away from water shutoffs, which is you know a great thing. On the other hand, there's a significant and not um, you know an uh, important um, financial piece to that, right? So, if we're moving uh, you know moving away from um, shutoff shutoffs um, for non-payment, means there needs to be a shift in the business plan, right, to address that even as we're trying to address the equity issues that are involved. Because water is, after all, and I think becoming recognized more so, is a a human right. And so you really don't want people to be without those services. In um, many parts of the country, it's somewhat shocking, um, given the first world status of the United States, there are still people without um, secure access to drinking water. There are still people without secure access to wastewater services. Um, And of course, we all know that um, stormwater uh, with climate change is becoming you know, more and more of a significant issue. So definitely looking for help in addressing those equity f- equity and affordability issues in that space. And then finally, I would say, even though there's a much longer list, but I'll just mm-hmm. stick to these three, um, is connecting to innovation. You know, mm-hmm. the good news for the water space is that there is an enormous amount of innovation and not just in water tech. Um, we're seeing a movement, and of course, this is a lot of what we do at Water Now, towards um, expanding how we think about water infrastructure, right? But how do you connect with that? How do you as a leader, you know, um, build confidence that if I do something different, that I invest in, say, green infrastructure, that that's going to solve problems for my community and do so in a way that is, you know, affordable and makes sense for us over time. So connecting to newness, to in- innovation and having a level of comfort that that's going to work for your community. I think there's a, a real opportunity there. And I see a real, um, interest and a hunger in, in that space to learn about that and to build confidence around moving in those new directions.
0: So I want to follow up on each of those three a little bit, um, and nope. work backwards. I'm, I'm, sure. uh, it's very interesting for you to hear, to hear you say the innovation piece. Um, okay. I, th- I, uh, from where I always see, it seems like uh, the broader sector, if you will, the industry really wants to help drive innovation and wants kind of their new products and services and tools to get adopted. Yes. Uh, but it's interesting to hear from your perspective that the local level wants that, uh, that, you know, and it's challenging for them because they've got regulations to meet, they've got to make sure that water is safe for people. Um, and that's first and foremost. So that was interesting to, to hear that
1: yeah I think there's i think there's two things happening there, and there it's the tension in the water space, right? because on the one hand, something that's new, something that may be in the long term less expensive, more affordable, um you know something that that increases reliability, but in perhaps not a conventional way, I think there's a huge interest in that at the same time, there is a Uh, an innate conservatism, and I want to be clear here, I'm not making a political point, this is small c, conservative, Um, um, uh, you know, because we are dealing with the most fundamental public health issues we can be, right? So um, on the one hand, there's an interest in being new, being innovative, and on the other hand, there's like, well, you know, we have this responsibility to the public, and we can't run too fast. You know, something I hear in my own meetings all the time, baby steps for baby feet, Mm. Um, you know, so... Um, there so there is that that tension between um, wanting to have um, confidence that we're using public dollars well you know we're not investing in things that are not yet tried and true um, and that has led to a lot of interest in um, you know where's it being done you know one thing we we talk about at water now is a lot of folks have the courage to go second or hundred and second so <laughs> we really need to be building up the evidence that you know if we're going to be investing, in on-site reuse, let's just say um, we, need, you know, the industry needs to have confidence in these systems, right? Are is, are they going to be safe for people, for pets, for you know, for gardens, um, for you know, whatever we're reusing water for? If we're going to be using um, water use efficiency technology, well, is that really going to be saving us money over time? Can we really count on behavior changing, or you know, do we have enough data? to demonstrate that. Um, if we're going to invest in source water protection as opposed to building, you know, another new treatment facility, what's really, you know, what's really the experience with that? You know, how has that played out in other areas over time? So that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. So when I say innovation, some of that's tech, right? I mean we have some wonderful tech now that's giving people real-time information about how they're using water and some of these um, technologies are posting incredible results you know you know 10 to 20% reductions in water use just in behavioral change once people have the opportunity for example to see what their where the water use is going you know that's that's really exciting some of its innovation in less in a, the technological sense and more that we just haven't really run the industry this way before, right? And for example, we're seeing Buffalo now um, just issued an environmental impact bond that they're going to invest um, largely in green infrastructure and upstream source water protection. So, you know, we're not talking about super high-tech solutions here. We are talking about innovation in meeting these problems, however, and doing it in a new way.
0: Yeah. I like that. Great, great explanation. Um, oh, yeah. The other, the other piece on equity and affordability. You know, just a note um, that I was to, brought to my attention recently. You know, the other things that people need to survive: shelter, food, heat. Are, There's are subsidies out there, right? There are programs to assist people um, right. from from I think the federal level on all those, but that's not that's, the, that's not the case yeah. in water. And like you pointed out, water is necessary for survival. So this is the one kind of odd thing out.
1: It really is, and we're starting to see that change. Um, you know, the uh, one interesting thing that's come out of the uh, the nexus with the COVID pandemic is the centrality of water to um, to everyone. It is one of these things where the United States has been so effective in providing this somewhat miraculous public service for so long that there is simply an expectation that it'll just be there and be there for free or very low cost. And um, you know. so there hasn't been a sense. And frankly, water has been low cost, right? We have underpriced. There have been a lot of studies about water services being underpriced for many years. Um, So what's really um, come to the fore is, you know, for how many people, especially during um, challenging financial times, um, keeping those services in place um, in a way that's reliable, you know, is enormously um, important. And so there has not been, as to your point, those kinds of federal subsidies. We're beginning to see interest in that. Um, You know, I have some confidence, um, cautious confidence (laughs) that we'll see more of a long term program that won't just end when the pandemic um, finally moves on. So I think there's a much greater political interest in putting that same kind of, excuse me, safety net in place
0: mm, yeah, on the water great.
1: side. We're not quite there yet. Yeah.
0: And then the third item was your first item about the almighty dollar, uh, yeah. and the, the challenges that are always there on that front and how, you know, all the other challenges in a way flow from flow from that one. Um, right. I, I'm curious, about And this is something you all focus on at the Water Now Alliance is, is the finance side of things. Um, what's, what's happening on that front? What are some of maybe the, the solutions and tools that are being used at the local level that you all might be supporting and are and they're, they're happening out there?
1: Yeah, well, you can't really have a conversation about financing without acknowledging the extraordinary efforts of the Biden administration. I mean, the new um, infrastructure bill, the ARPA um, you know, this is really a generational level um, change at the federal side. So that's exciting. That said, um, you know, $50 billion over 50 states over five years, you know, it's, it's not going to solve everything. So it's a fantastic um, and important step and one that I think is going to make a big difference in a lot of communities. However, um, at the end of the day, that fi- the finances are going to remain for the most part. Um, on the backs of local ratepayers, so the innovations we're seeing there um, are also, I would say, exciting on the finance side. Um, I'll just go with what part of what we work on at Water Now, and that is um, to sort of shift. It's less a, it's less, it's less an innovation in finance and more an innovation in attitudes about finance. Mm-hmm. Utilities and cities are very good at, um, for the most part, not everyone at, um, building capital projects, right? You decide you need a tunnel or a reservoir or a tank and you float your municipal bond until now, at least you've had, um, you know, remarkably low rates. Um, you, you sell off, you use the proceeds, you build whatever you need to build and you amortize that cost, um, not just among your rate base, but among your future rate base for decades. And that's how we do it. So what we're seeing as a a potential and a large change is doing that same thing for unconventional infrastructure, for infrastructure that is widely distributed across communities. So whether that's your water use efficiency measures, whether it's water tech, whether it's source water uh, protection, like we were just talking about in Buffalo, whether it's green stormwater infrastructure, none of those things have traditionally been funded um, with that municipal bond. Um, uh, you know, through municipal bonds or other um, debt instruments. That is shifting. And that, I think, is the single biggest change at the local level. Because once you can put that kind of long-term capital that you can amortize over time into these um, more innovative, more unconventional solutions, well, now you're cooking with gas. Now you can scale those. Because otherwise, those programs stay very, very tiny. Because you're only if you're only funding them out of your operating cash, there's not that much. You know, left over by the time you pay your people and you know pay your benefits and you know do everything else you have to do every year. Um, I don't know if your podcast has time for a quick story, but I'll just share. Absolutely, when yeah. When I first joined my water district board in California, I had very small children who are now very large children. <laughs> and, um, I was then, as now, the only woman on the board, and I was saying, um, you know, we really should be. I'm um, thinking about offering rebates for these, um, you know, high, uh, you know, for these water efficient. Um, washing machines because, you know, this is a big source of water in a, you know, in a primarily suburban community. And so we did a little experiment. We, uh, you know, we had, I think about, a, you know, half a million dollars or so, and they were gone instantly. You know, it was a huge success. And I went back to my general manager and I said, well, we should put 5 million into this. This would be great. You know, we will, this is really a fantastic thing. And he's like, which 20 people are we firing? Mm. How mm. are we going to do that? How are we going to afford To give rebates to people to save water and still maintain the staff that we need to maintain and i thought well why would we be doing that this isn't you don't buy a new washing machine every year you don't buy a new toilet every year you don't change your lawn out every year why are these things considered annual expenses these are long-term capital investments just like our tanks our pumps and our pipes. Mm. but but to but to answer your question a little more fully travis i think the other innovations we're seeing on the financing side are with um, new funding instruments. So I'm particularly excited about environmental impact bonds, which again, they're bonds. You know, They are essentially a, a form of municipal bonds, but they are focused, the benefit of this type of bond for water utilities. And the reason I think it's an exciting um, opportunity is because it's risk shifting. Environmental impact bonds are looking for there to be um, a socially beneficial impact from the investment that the um, you know that the uh, investors are making so they want to make money there's no question about that you know they're they're in it to win it but they're also looking for there to be a benefit a social benefit so the way the risk shifting works is that um, and these bonds are all set up a little bit differently is that they're performance based so the risk is shifted from the ratepayers right the bonds and the the um, the improvements that are financed by the bonds let's just say it's source water protection or it's green infrastructure or it's water use efficiency whatever it is they have to meet performance measures right and when they do the um, the investors get an additional benefit but if they don't um, that risk is shifted off of the ratepayers the ratepayers do not have to um, uh, 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 pay back the bonds at the same at the same rate it's more complicated than that but you only have 20
0: 20- <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a, a great summary of that there for sure. Um, yeah. yeah, those are those are really cool. What's happening out there? I think DC Water did one of the first ones, maybe exactly. with with green exactly. infrastructure and and yeah. you know George George Hawkins' creative mind there at work. And now they've Absolutely. spread around the country to a lot of places. Um, yeah, gets, gets I think mean, Buffalo
1: is the most recent, and Atlanta, okay. a few other places.
0: Yeah. You know, like I mentioned, you all stay very connected to local leaders and the local level. Um, You're always uh, pulling them into your different activities and spotlighting them. Like at your Tap into Resilience Summit, you mentioned the Emerging Leaders Spotlight. Um, What are some of the other exciting things or trends that are happening at the local level that you're, you know, picking up from these change makers out there?
1: So one of the things that's interesting and exciting is this expansion in thinking about what is infrastructure, right? So, for example, <clears throat> excuse me. So, for example, a colleague of mine, um, you know, who's at um, a big city, um, who's gotten very into on-site reuse. Um, she loves to say, "Other people look at a building and see concrete. I see a sponge." And I think we're seeing that more and more around the country. That water utility leaders are looking at their communities and literally seeing infrastructure in buildings, on streets, in gardens, in medians. So infrastructure is no longer just, here's my reservoir, here's my dam, here's my tank. It's here is a bunch of buildings, here is an institutional campus, here is a playground. And all of these different parts of the city, of the urban you know, environment can be um, repurposed, rethought of as water infrastructure. To me, that's one of the most exciting things that are happening. And it's what's going to need to happen at bigger scale for us to be truly resilient in the face of climate change. Because as someone who has put her hand in the air and voted for tens of million dollars for conventional infrastructure, you know, so it's great stuff, but it's not the only stuff. And so the opportunity to be thinking much more expansively about what is infrastructure. What can be um uh serviceable as water infrastructure? And by that I mean supply, treatment, stormwater management, right? There's all of these opportunities to um, be using the local environment in that way. So that's kind of the overarching trend that I think is exciting. but built on top of that, layered on top of that is what does that mean for the community, right? Mm-hmm. And what it really means is multiple benefits. So you're not just when you re-envision a median as a rain garden, it's not just oh okay, I'm capturing more water, it's not just running off of the street into somebody's basement. I'm also um, you know beautifying this um, you know this part of the city. I'm creating local jobs. I am, you know, eliminating heat islands or whatever it is. I mean, the multiple benefits or the community benefits, there are a lot of ways of talking about this, that come out of this re-envisioning are really exciting. And we're seeing more and more um, communities, you know, talking about what are the multiple benefits, what are the community benefits? And in particular, workforce development um, that can come out of, um, uh, you know, investing at higher levels in these more um, innovative, in these more decentralized on-site opportunities. Sorry, that was a lot.
0: Oh, no, that's, that's great stuff. Um, It's really exciting seeing that transformation happen, for sure. It seems like every time I turn around monitoring the water news, like I do, there's a new town that's putting in some type of green infrastructure, you you see this sponge city term a lot more often. And so, uh, you know, as a as a water yeah. kind of wonk, I get so excited every time I see that stuff. Um, yeah. You mentioned about the utility and the community, and I kind of want, kind of wanted to to ask this last question. Um, all these things that you've talked about, all all this these changes, trends, uh, so forth. How is this impacting the the role, the place, the engagement of utilities in their communities?
1: No, this is a great question. I'm so glad you've asked. Um, you know, my experience, you know, with over 25 years in the water utility space is that uh, water utilities tend, not all of them, of course, to be underground, like their pipes. Right? They don't really want to be out in front. Um, you really only hear from your utility when there's a problem, something's leaking, something's broken, um, rates have gone up, whatever it is. I see that changing. Um, you know, not immediately, but I, it's definitely a trend where. We're hearing more and more about the utility as an anchor institution, as an institution that is out in front in the community, that's partnering in the community. Because all of these changes that we've been talking about, you know, re-envisioning infrastructure, um, bringing in more innovation, what they all have in common, even though they're very different, is that they require partnerships, right? Um, it's one thing to just, uh, you know, decide as utility, you know, we're going to build a big pipeline and you go, you know, do an assessment and you issue a contract and you hire a consultant and off you go. But if you're trying to say, you know, like, for example, Milwaukee has that they're going to put into place, um, um, you know, some very large amount of green acres and they want to capture, you know, several hundred million acre, you know, gallons of, you know, stormwater per storm. Well, now you're partnering with many, many Um, property owners and institutions and businesses um, across your community. And that requires a utility to be somewhat more outward facing, right? Um, To be more engaged with its public, to develop partnerships. This word partnerships has come up over and over again at our conferences and others where you're seeing utilities more and more creating openings, creating um, opportunities for Um, local nonprofits, local community groups, you know, you know, rotaries, whoever it is to partner with the utility and to really make it more of a forward facing part of the community so that people understand what it's about, what its role is, what it does. And I have to say, I think that's enormously important um, because what I've seen is this shift when people just assume that water's coming out of its, out of the tap, you know, it's just some, you know, it's just a magic thing that happens as opposed to, you know, hundreds of, you know, hardworking people making that happen. So, it's a it's a huge benefit to the utility i think to be more public facing to have people more engaged and more understanding what their role is and um, and how it happens when we do um surveys sometimes about whether people know where their water's from i mean it's it's almost it's almost <laughs> it's not scary. at all
0: it's scary it's scary yeah so the
1: more that people know um the more they can be engaged and be um you know and be involved
0: yeah Absolutely. Well, Cynthia, like I said in the beginning, I really had, uh, you've been on my list for as someone to talk to for a long time. I'm glad it finally happened. Um, you know, I, I worked in the federal level. I worked at the state level. I haven't worked at the local level, but I do know local is where it's at. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so I'm glad we got to talk a lot about that today. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much for having me. We love the Waterloo.
0: Ah, All right.
1: <laughs> Take care. Waterloo.
0: Thank you for listening to the podcast. To find all episodes, sign up for email updates, and connect on social media, visit waterloop.org. Waterloop, Waterloop.